Happy Easter, Highlight Church. Oh man, so good to see you all. Y'all look so handsome and pretty and all of the adjectives I forget to mention right now. Beautiful, gorgeous, all that good stuff. So, oh, keep them coming. Oh, I'll keep them coming. I'll use all my sermon time to keep them coming. Oh man, well, hey, let's dive into the word. Good morning to you. And, uh, uh, how about the Easter egg drop yesterday? How was that? Was that great? So good. So much fun. Um, anyone got a golden egg or anyone you know? Show of hands, golden egg. Yeah, let's give it up for the golden egg winners. You guys took my TV and um, my beats. I was hoping someone didn't find the TV. I was like, Judah, we got to find the TV. Like, I was in Judah's owl. My, my, my baby, he's three, and uh, I was running, and I totally forgot that this was church and everything. I'm like, we got to get eggs. So, um, but thank you all so much for coming out. And uh, those of you who served yesterday, give yourselves a hand clap. Um, it wouldn't have been possible without you. Yep, praise God. You know, last year, we always kick it up. Last year, 660 people came out to the first one. This year, the Lord doubled that, and uh, he brought 1,400 people to the Easter egg drop, and he's doing big things. So we're going to keep it going because we know the devil's upset, so we're just going to keep that thing going. Is that okay? That's good. All right. Man, you guys are excited. All right, let's read the scripture. Wow, rowdy. All right. Matthew 28. Uh Okay, I'm going to take all my time here this morning. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, all right. Come on now, I know none of y'all shouldn't complain about me taking my time because most of us was raised, you know, when it was Easter, you were in church for five hours. So I'm going to hold you for about an hour and a half. Not, not preaching the entire time. So is that okay? Yeah. All right, all right. Let me use me an hour and a half. All right, Matthew 28 verse 1 says this, Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other, other Mary went out to visit the tomb. <laughs> the other Mary. <laughs> that's funny. Let me see this screen. All right, that's cool. I like it. All right. The other Mary went out. Uh, verse 2, suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. Rolled aside the stone, keep your eye on that stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. There are two Roman guards uh, guarding the tomb of Jesus Christ, um, which historically proves that he was dead. Um, Matthew was a former tax collector. He was also a follower of the Lord Jesus um, so he was an, an expert uh, scripter or, or writer. Um, he would write, um, he would summarize everything that he wrote. Because in order to jot down the information as people were paying their taxes, you had to write fast. And you had to write in summary. So uh, Matthew is giving you, uh, we're going to find out here, a secondhand account of what Mary and the other Mary are going to tell him in a couple hours here. Um, because they're, you know, he's going to get up and they're going to go tell him and all that stuff. And he's going to eventually sit down one day and write his part of it all. So we know that historically Jesus died. And we know that it's factual because guards were there. Keep your eye on the stone, okay? All right. The guards shook with fear, verse 5. Then the angel spoke to the women, don't be afraid. I know you are look, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And I'll go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. He, he's risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you. That's so good. He's risen, and he's going ahead of you. He's risen, and he's going ahead of you. He's risen, and he's going ahead of you, ahead of you, ahead of you, ahead of you. Keep your eye on that. Keep your eye on that. All right? 
And so uh, verse 8, the woman ran quickly to the tomb, and they were very frightened, but also filled with great joy as they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's bonkers. I I was just looking for you at the tomb. And the angel told me to go, and I rushed, and I'm running full speed, and I run into you, the one that's supposed to be dead. That, that's, that's, that blows my mind. I mean, and he says this here, um, he greeted them, and, and, and they ran to him, grasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers, this wind is strong on my page right now. He says, <laughs> Go tell, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. I want to bring a message to you this Easter entitled, The Greatest, the greatest Showman. The Greatest Showman. Anyone saw the movie yet? Is it? Wow, we got two people. That's good. <laughs> Nor have I, so don't feel any kind of way. Uh, as, as, as far as I know, he, he was a nobody, and, and he, uh, you know, he came out of nowhere, and he found it show business. Um, you ever been to a great concert in your life, good concert goers? Um, you know, I remember a little over a year and a half ago. You know, we're not a year and a half yet. We're like 15, 16 months young as a church. Do you see what the Lord is doing in this place? It's so good. Moved here with nine people. Started with like, you know, five people came to the first interest meeting. We're like, what in the heck did we just do? We need to go back to where we came from and start the church with 24. And and now God is doing amazing things. Um, About three days before we started the church, October 16th, 2016, uh, I took my wife to see Postmodern Jukebox. Postmodern Jukebox. I highly recommend this group. Um, uh, musical group. And uh, what they do is they put a 1920 spin. Uh, they, I mean, they have the, the outfits and the big band and, and, and all the instruments and all that good stuff. The big, what is the big thing that you do? There it is. So they have that sucker. Marcus, you're looking good back there, man. Security, give it up for Marcus Blair, everybody. I'm sorry, like, we're an interactive crowd. I just read scripture. Don't worry about the Bible. I assure you, we get into the Bible. But, uh, like, and what they do is they play your favorite 90 songs and 2000 songs with that big band twist to them. And before we went to the concert, you were super stoked. And I'm like, oh, whatever, I just wasted my money. This is going to be cheesy and corny and whatever. And, man, like, on the second song, I am just melting. I'm, I'm falling in love with the artistry and the amazement of just how awesome these people are. And so um, it was just a great show, and I, I postmodern jukebox. You got to check them out. And they just did so phenomenal. So I leave the concert. I'm like, babe, that was the best thing I've ever been to in my life. And she's like, yeah, I told you. They were, they were a great group. I told you. And so I, said, I, I went as far as saying this. I said, man, they may be the greatest musicians on the face of the earth. They may be like the, the, the best of the best, Andy. And um, <laughs> like for the next two weeks, I was telling everybody I knew about postmodern jukebox. As I'm telling you now with 500 eyeballs on me, I'm, I'm telling you now about postmodern jukebox. If you, anyone like great music around here? It doesn't always have to be Christian. Are you okay with that? Uh, you got on your Easter faces this morning. <laughs> You stepped into this church with your Easter face on. Anyone like some good music up in here? Good. You love Jesus and you love good music. All right. You stay away from all that cursing stuff, but, you know. And so I told everyone I knew, and uh, as is the case with the, the Mary and the other Mary right now, uh, the angel tells them to go and tell the disciples, for he is heading uh, he's going ahead of you to Galilee. Galilee is where it all started for the 12 disciples and the Marys. That's where it all started, you know. So Jesus takes it to the end, and, and, and then he goes back to where it all started. He, he takes it to the end, and he goes back to where it all started. The Bible says that 
I am the God who knows the end from the beginning. I'm the God who knows I know your end from your beginning. We're going to get into all that. And so it's amazing because we have all these theories about the resurrection. You have the swoon theory. The swoon theory is the fact that, yeah, um, Jesus may have died, but he actually went into a coma while he was on the cross. And so when they put him in the tomb, it was cool enough, and he woke up, and he left the tomb. Like, he rolled the stone away, and he beat up the, the guards, and he left. You know? So that's the swoon theory. You have the stolen body theory where they say, well, the disciples came, they beat up the guards, and they wrote this stone away. I'm going to tell you about the stone in a minute, how crazy it is, because these are the theories that people will share to you um, in our current country about how the resurrection is not true, so I need to equip you with some comebacks. And so they say that uh, the stolen body theory, where the disciples actually stole the body and took it and, and hid it somewhere. Um, you have the, the, hallucin- the mass hallucination theory where a lot of disciples just kind of got together and, and they just kind of hallucinated in a room and, and they, they just said, you know, oh man, we saw Jesus, but, you know, he went to heaven and all this stuff. I'm going to tell you in a minute why none of this makes sense because of this stone. Not, not, none of the theories that anyone ever tells you about the resurrection that's against the resurrection actually makes sense because of the stone that, that, that the angel rolled away. And, and, and if you read in Matthew further, you'll see where um, after the, the guards were, you know, they got back to the normal selves. They went to the high priest and the political leaders and they said, here, here's some money. Now tell the, the citizens of Rome that they stole the body. So we're going to we're going to give you some money to maintain a lie. And the Bible even says that until this day, that lie still lives. They were bribed. Matthew would know. He was, he was a part of the, the tax collecting business. The, it, was, it, was, uh, you know, it was corrupt. The stone. The stone. The same story that the Marys go back to tell the disciples. They tell a disciple named Peter. Peter eventually, in a, in a, in a few decades, fast forward, um, he is beaten like Jesus was. He was scourged. And then he was hung on a cross upside down. This is historical fact. So if, you, if we don't believe that Jesus is real, we at least have to give some weight to the fact that the disciples were real. History records that Peter said, I am not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. Crucify me upside down. Okay, so you always had Peter, James, and John. They were the top three of the 12 disciples. James died. You can find this in the book of Acts, and it's also historically recorded that King Agrippa I beheaded him for his testimony of the resurrection. That's two. Okay, three times. All right, we'll do three. So Peter, James, John. John was the disciple who lived the longest. For his testimony of the resurrection, he was thrown into a cauldron or a a pot of boiling oil. History records that the oil did no damage to him. I wonder how. (laughs) I wonder wonder how you can go through fire and don't get burned and don't smell like smoke and all that. I wonder how you can how you can survive such such things. And so what they had to do, the Roman government, they exiled him to an island called Patmos, where he received the book of Revelation, the last book of your Bible, from Jesus. Jesus spent time with him until about uh, 92 A.D. to 102 A.D. Jesus spent time with him, gave him the book of Revelation, and showed him the, he showed him the past, the present, and the end. Now, you've got to be careful with Re- Revelation because there's allegory, there's metaphor, there's poetry. There's all types of different language. It can be in two verses when you're reading Revelation. So don't come to me saying that you know when Jesus is going to come back because you don't. Not even Jesus knows when he's going to come back. You understand? But it's historical fact that these guys were real. So why would I die for, for a lie? Why, why, would I, why, would I, why would I tell you about a man until I'm blue in the face and, and, and get my head cut off and get hung on a cross upside down and get thrown into a boiling pot of oil and get uh, exiled to an island? Why would I do such a thing? Is it the fact that the resurrection is as real as we are celebrating this morning? 
could, could it be that the dead do rise? Could it be that death can't hold you back? Could it be that depression doesn't have any power over you? Could it be that anxiety and addiction and brokenness and, and sadness and, and despair and grief? Could it be that none of that has any power over you? Could it just be? I, could it be that sometime 2,000 years ago, the greatest showman rose from the grave? And now we, we get to live to tell about it. I want to take away three things as to why the resurrection is significant to us. Point number one, teamwork makes the dream work. What in the world I got to do with Jesus in the resurrection? I love it because Mark is not, uh, Matthew does not tell us this, but Mark does tell us that as they're on the way to the tomb, Mark 16, 2 through 3 says this, very early on Sunday morning, just as sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? The stone. The, the, the stone is representative of a few things. Um, I love it. Like they're on their way to do something. They're on their way to serve God, um, to, to honor his body, to mourn his death. They're, they're on their way to do what they believe is right. And they encounter this stone. Now, the stone is very important. All right. So this stone was a signet or a seal. It was a legal seal placed by Rome, and no one could just enter it. The Roman guards actually had to remove this stone in order for you to get into the tomb. The tomb was not underground. This tomb was above ground, and it was borrowed. Um, It was actually Joseph's of Arimathea, a rich man. In his day, Joseph of Arimathea was a disciple of Jesus. He was a multimillionaire in his day, and he loved Christ. You can be rich and love Jesus with all your heart. I think that's one. This isn't even in my notes. I think this is one of the greatest lies that Satan has worked into our culture, that God wants to keep money from us. This is not true. The Bible actually says that God wants you to prosper. He wants you to enjoy your money, but he also wants you to serve with your wealth. He wants you to love him and serve with your wealth. But anyway. And so the stone was placed there, and it it was also a representation that a doctor had came into the tomb, examined the body thoroughly, and that the person was, in fact, dead. So Christ was dead. The other thing about the stone is because tombs were between three and four feet tall, this stone stood four and a half to five feet tall, and it weighed two to three tons. It was square or corked shape. I'm going to talk to the students this morning because I feel a teaching anointing on me. And so it was two to three tons. Do you know how much a ton is? 2,000 pounds, Mike. So this thing was anywhere between, uh, let me do my math here, uh, four, no, six to 8,000 pounds. Uh, Diana, stand up. Um, Annie, stand up. Have you ever moved or moved a car in your life by yourself? Rode it? Okay. Have you ever rode a car with another woman by yourself? Annie, have you ever moved a car by yourself? Okay. Has anyone ever moved a car by themselves? You ladies can sit. Okay, <laughs> the stone, <laughs> the stone, Jesus, the stone. So they're, they're, they're progressing. They're, they're, they're trying to do right. They're, they're trying to move in the right direction. They, they believe that this is the right thing. This is the thing that God has called them to. But they run into a stone. This stone stands in the way of their progress. The stone stands in the way of their growth. And we all have stones, Andy, myself included. We have stones of fear, stones of doubt, financial stones, health stones, 
family stones. Maybe dad wasn't there. Maybe, maybe mom wasn't there. I don't know. Maybe, maybe at a certain point they divorced. And, and to this day, it still impacts us as adults. It's still a stone because it was never reconciled. No one ever really explained why. Maybe, maybe something happened in the past. Stones of the past. As we try to advance in a certain area, that a bad decision we may have made, it, it just, we, we're going to try this thing one more time. I'm going to try it one more time, but that past just, it comes back up. And, and I can't advance because there, there's a stone. And so by the Lord's providence and, and his grace and his love, he sends an angel. And the angel removes the stone. The, the angel removes the stone. This, this is significant because one thing it tells us is that there are stones in our lives that only God himself can move. There are only stones that only the power of God himself can move. But beyond that, anytime you see the anytime, go to the Old Testament, the New Testament. You can read the Bible through and through. Anytime you see the people of God advancing in their obedience, advancing in their service, advancing in reaching a city, advancing. Anytime you see the kingdom of God advancing and a stone pops up, God sends an angel. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold that, hold that, hold that. We're going somewhere. He sends an angel. So the angel represents the supernatural power of God, but the angel also represents the power of God working within the community of God, the people of God. I need you to hear me. The people of God. It's Mary, Mary, and the angel. You can go to the book of Joshua. Joshua's trying to advance into the promised land. This angel comes, and he says this. Joshua says, are you for us, or are you for the enemy? And this angel says, I'm really not for either. I'm, I'm for God. But because you're for God, I'm for you, and I'm about to push the enemy out of your way. This angel represents the fact that there is power within the community of God. And we've gotten so good at showing up to church on a holiday. We've become CME members. They say that church attendance, I'll tell you, it's pure fact right now. Church attendance increases 82%. On Christmas, Easter, and Mother's Day. Why would I come to a place that makes me feel so good? That gives me so much breakthrough. That gives me so much freedom. So much power. So much perspective. Why would I only come to a place three times a year? And I know it's good for me. Why? Go ahead, sit down. So it's Mary, the other Mary, and the angel in the stone. And I love it because the two Marys don't even touch the stone, Andy. The community moves the stone. There have been plenty of stones in my life. Stones of sickness, yours as well, um, car trouble, financial issues. Um, my dad was deathly ill a few months ago. I had to go back to Orlando to see about him. What? No, no, pastor, what do you need? How can we help you? How can, how can we serve you? Do the kids need anything? Do, does Kyra need anything? There, there have been stones of, uh, of massive eye injuries. Jesus, you, you know, you've heard that story before. Stones, 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 stones. But the resurrection story shows us. Not just, that's, that's so elementary. Jesus got up from the grave. Yay, whoop-de-doo. We're going to talk about that for the next 20 minutes. Can we get some perspective on the resurrection? The resurrection shows us the power of community. And how if you're going to advance and if you're going to move those stones, you're going to need some people who are going before you, who are on your side, who are behind you. When you're low, they're low. When you're high, they're high. When you're in the middle, they're in the middle. When you're good, they're good. When you're bad, they're bad. You're going to need some people that tell you and that walk with you. And and when you're down and when you're in despair and when you're struggling, they're struggling. When you're up, they're up. When you're winning, they're winning. When when you're good, they're good. You're going to need some people. People who are going to pray for you, encourage you, inspire you, motivate you, push you, challenge you, get you on to what God has for you. 
That's what you're going to need in this life. Get around some people. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let that stone stop you. I'm, go- I'm not going to let you stay over her house that late. I'm not going to let you stay over his house that late. I'm not going to let you get on that website. I'm not going to let you do that. I'm not going to let you lie. I'm not going to let you cheat. I'm not going to let you fall. I'm not going to let you die. We're going to get up. We're going to go after everything that God has for us. We're going to move the stone. You got stones. Let me tell you something. No marriage is great alone. Every marriage needs a great marriage to encourage it. No single person is successfully single alone. You need a single person in your corner who loves Jesus. We've got to move these stones. Move these stones. The resurrection shows us that God came to people to put people together that as we pursue his promises and overcome his struggles, we won't ever have to worry about stones because I know I'm surrounded by people with supernatural intel, people of prayer, fasters, sacrificers, givers, lovers, hard workers, Colossians 3.23, I don't have the verse, don't worry about it, I don't need it. All things that you do, do for the Lord Jesus Christ, hard workers. The reason why a lot of us don't succeed is because we surround ourselves with lazy people. The reason a lot of us can't get serious is because we're too surrounded with jokesters. Stones. The stone. The stone. The second thing I see in this story is that the show must go on. The show must go on. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Judah, uh, when, you know, baby, we had a baby shower for Judah, and uh, obviously we have a baby shower for all of our babies, but Kyra really, uh, really took it to the next level because she loves arts and crafts. And... Um, and we had this super baby Judah theme where, you know, you got the Superman diamond or whatever thing it is. And we put a J in it. And you and Chris, our creative, <laughs> he's shaking his hand right now. They were up for that entire week before the baby shower, 2 to 3 in the morning, finishing all the arts and crafts. And you just went beast mode. Like, I'm asleep, but you're, you're nesting. You're doing whatever y'all do when y'all are pregnant. I don't know. I've never, I've never been pregnant. Any man been pregnant in here before? No. And so, um, don't answer that. Hope not. Um, and so we, you know, we, we even rented like a storefront church because a lot of people were going to be coming. There's a lot of love, a lot of laughs, like four, five carloads of gifts for this person, this thing who hasn't even came into the world yet. Like what, what, why, why can I have some of the gifts? Are any of these gift cards conducive to Target, Starbucks, the movies, or anything? Because he won't be using those anytime soon. Anyway, you know, we do, we do baby showers because we, we want them to, um, to come into the world. and We, we want to make sure they have everything that they need. For me, though, my, my thought is this, is that it's more than just that. Baby showers are a symbol of uh, long-term trajectory. Like, for me, I didn't just want my kids to come into the world and to be okay for the first six months or year. Like, my, my idea is you're going to, the show is going to go on. Like, you're going to prosper. You're going to grow up. You're going to do well. Um, I love you. Mommy and Daddy is here for you. Whenever you fall, we pick you up. You get sick. You go to the doctor. When you get a cavity, root canal, we take you to the dentist. And and, you know, God feels the same way. Like, God, when, when, we, when we were born, he, he saw us, and, and he loved us, and he had a plan. And he didn't just say, hey, well, they made it. They're in the hospital. Yay. And now they're on their own. No, he is like, I love you, and I have, a, I, have a, I have a plan for you. Psalm 139 says this. It says here, it says, um, you watched me. King David recognized this. 
as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. God saw you before you were born. He, he knew every detail about you. Like you, he made perfectly. He was very intentional with the way he made you. He was even very intentional about the family he birthed you through. As broken as you believe that your family is. He was very intentional about that. He, he knew you. He, he had a plan. He had a divine design for your life. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. He had a, he had a design. There, there's a, a preset destiny, a path, where when he thought about you, he laid it out. He said that you would come into the world and you would be healthy. You would be whole. You wouldn't be bound or held back. He said you wouldn't be addicted or wounded. And that every need would always be met. And, and he declared over you that you would step into your purpose. Yes. It, it was never God's intent for us to come into the world and to be on an eight to five or be in a career that we hate. And to live a life, call it 70 years and say, whoop de doo just let me on into heaven. No, it was God's intent for you to be fulfilled and free. And so a lot of you ask, well, Pastor Dude, well, Josh, what happened to the plan? Because, you know, I I was born this way, and this this is the context in which I came into the world. This is my story. This This is what happened to me. You know, th- this is how my week has been going. This, this is how my marriage has been going. This is how I've been struggling. Where's, where's the plan in all this? I, I'm going to talk to the people who want to be inspired. Everyone else who wants to stay down, everyone else who thinks they're too high, I'm going to talk right to the people in the middle. You're probably asking me, where's this plan? And uh, my kids were in the basement the other day, and this beeping sound came from the TV, and they ran because they never heard it before. This is an emergency. This is an announcement. And I just simply, and they were watching a show quietly. (laughs) Seldomly do you get them quietly. They were watching a show quietly. A nine-year-old boy and a three-year-old boy, quietly. trying to finish my message what do you want it's just an it's just an interruption well what happened pastor an interruption occurred so you got to catch the context of psalms 139 david wasn't just a king he was also a prophet He tapped into something. God gave him something from heaven. He understood that before the sinful disobedience of Adam and Eve, this was my design. The interruption happened. It was sin entered in. We're not going to talk perspective this entire sermon. I got to teach some Bible. Sin entered in. And when sin entered in, through our father and our mother, Adam and Eve, the curse entered in. And that curse, one of the first things it did is it separated us from perfect fellowship with God the Father. So now the plan is paused because there's an interruption. And then sin, the word sin is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. What is the mark? The mark is found Genesis through Deuteronomy, over 600 laws in God's word. Missing the moral mark. Missed the mark. 
And uh, sin then brings the consequences of it. So therefore you have Adam and, I mean, Cain and Abel. Uh, Cain becomes jealous and he kills Abel. The consequences of sin, murder, jealousy, stay off Instagram, envy, stay off social media, murder, death, broken homes, divorce, adultery, addiction, death. Because we sinned against a holy God, a perfectly moral God, and the source of life, those were sub-consequences. The ultimate consequence was death. The ultimate consequence was death. A holy God, the life giver, I have to judge sin, so the consequence is now death. So we began to die. Death, though, it means separation. Like I just told you, in the garden, a separation occurred. And there are two forms of death. Because when the Bible says in Genesis that when God breathed, the ruach is the word, into the, into the dust, the, the dust and the dirt that he made of man, man became a living soul. And so you are a soul with a body. You're not a body with a soul. Your soul is eternal. So there are two forms of death. Number one, natural death. When you die, your soul leaves your body. Then there is spiritual death. That if you die in a life of sin, apart from faith in Jesus, you are then separated from the source of life, who is God the Father. That is hell. So the penalty of sin is not just missing God's purpose and missing the fulfillment that Jesus offers, but also dying and entering into an eternity without the Father. And so we needed a sacrifice. Because if the penalty or the payment of sin is death, we need someone to die. So in your law, Genesis through Deuteronomy, you'll find that Moses, and guys, don't worry about time. We're going to get out, but it's going to be an extra 10 minutes. Don't even worry about that. So Genesis through Deuteronomy, 600 laws, Moses institutes a provision for the people of God, and he says every year, once a year, the Day of Atonement. This is a day where you substitute it for the sins of the people. And you had to bring to the priests, and they had to come before God. I'm, I'm, I'm teaching the people that want to learn. You had to bring to the, to, the, to the priests and to God, you had to bring a perfect, spotless, unblemished lamb to die. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And I'm afraid that we've entered into a generation where we've become very insensitive to the awareness that we are sinners. So something has to die. So a lamb dies, but that lamb was a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ. And eventually the Bible says that for the blood of bulls and goats did not appease or satisfy the penalty. A perfect man had to die. A sinless man had to die. A great man had to die. The son of God had to die. And yes, we've sinned against the holy God. I got to back up here because I forgot something. Sin, we were born into it. And so sin is innate, meaning like sin isn't always by desire. It's oftentimes by design. So either we are the executors of sin or the victims of sin simply because we are sinners. Okay. But I'm thankful that we've sinned against not just a holy God, but a loving God. I'm thankful we sinned against a God who was more concerned about our freedom, who was more concerned about our destiny, who was more concerned about our liberty, who was more concerned about our fulfillment. Yes, we sinned against the holy God, but we sinned against the loving God who in the process of time, he would send a son. And that son's name was Jesus Christ. And that son was perfect. And that son took our sins to the cross. 
And that son died a death we should have died, and he was risen on the third day. I'm thankful that we sinned against the loving God. I'm going to keep saying this until y'all get it, until you get excited about it. I'm thankful we sinned against the God who was more interested in, in your blessing, in your freedom, in your deliverance, in your forgiveness, in your prosperity, in your growth, in your promotion, in your destiny, in your life. I'm thankful that we sinned against the God who wanted to be in relationship with us. And that religion and just showing up and dressing a certain way has no power. But he wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. He wants to show you things that you've never seen before. He wants to do miracles through you. He wants to change the world through you. He want, I'm going to keep on preaching until we all stand up. He wants you free. He wants you delivered. He wants you to be blessed. He wants you to prosper. I'm thankful we sinned against the God who left death in the grave because he loves you. I'm grateful for grace. And so, y'all can sit down now. I'm training culture. I'm training culture. Because if we're going to change this county, if a thousand people are going to be here one day, we can't be sitting down. We got to show them that the word of God is good. We're doing culture when we do that. Respond to the preacher. The preacher will give you more. Half the time my church is boring is because you're boring. Oh, he's boring up there. Well, he's dying up there. His mouth is cotton up there. He needs some water up there. Jesus. I never go because it's monotone. You monotone. Jesus, say something to me. So the Mary and the other Mary show up to the tomb and he's not there. Why? Why isn't Jesus there? Because he has destroyed what has been destroying us throughout the span of human history. And he's gone on to something bigger and to something better. So let me declare this over you. Don't ever be afraid. Don't ever fear that God is mad with you, that God's upset with you. Don't ever fear if God's done with you. He's not. He's just moved on and he's gone before you into better things. Let me read this. Uh, Hebrews, I think that's my verse. Since the children are made of flesh and blood, it's logical that the Savior, this is the message translation, took on flesh and blood in order to rescue them by his death, by embracing death, taking it into himself. He destroyed the devil's hold on death. And freed all who cower through life, scared to death of death. This leads me to my last point. God saves the best for last. So we saw them on the road back to Galilee. They encountered Jesus, which had to be. He did what he said he would. He came, he died, and he rose, and there he is. There's proof. He's alive. And he's alive sitting on the right hand of the Father today. He's actually in this room as well. For where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst. And so, um, and I'm about to close us out in five minutes. Come on up and play. Is everyone okay? All right. Uh, I was, um, make this real quick. I was, I I wanted Jaziel to taste some ice cream. Um so bad and he would not try it out so I had to promise him something I said dude look I promise you you're gonna love it so the next time we go to Cold Stone you try this okay he says no dad I don't want to try it I said all right all right all right this is what I'll do this is what I'll do okay I will buy you this Xbox game you've been asking me for if you taste this ice cream and so we go, and he, uh, we're standing. I said, all right, tell her what you want. Like, I'll take the blah, 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 whatever I, it was. I said, yes, yes, yes. We sat down, and he took a bite, and he's like, this is pretty good, Dad. 
told you. And he, I mean, he was done eating it before I was. He was finished in a, in a hurry. And, you know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that his love endures forever. And so he gets this ice cream he loves. And we get home and he gets the game that, he, that he's been wanting for a long time. It was 50-50. He had a decision to make. He could have made the one he always made. Or he could have made the one that I encouraged him to make. And he made the one I encouraged him to make. Not only did he like the ice cream, but he got his game. I think there are a lot of opinions and philosophies running around in the earth about eternity. You know, it's 50-50. We either die and black out or eternity is in fact real. And so, um, you know, if, if we just die and black out, it's what people believe. It is what it is. This is what the Bible says about it. 1 Corinthians 15-32 says this. At the end, the, the last portion there, uh, well, Paul is dealing with the fact of the resurrection. He's saying, man, we had to fight a lot of people in Ephesus to preach Jesus. We wouldn't do that for any other reason unless there was a resurrection. He says this, and if there is no resurrection of you and I, let's feast and drink for tomorrow we die. What he's saying is, is if Jesus did not rise, and if we're not going to rise, we're wasting time being in here. Let's just go eat. Let's go look at our bunnies and paint our eggs. Go have fun. But then there's the other 50%. What if when we die, just what if? What if that beginning date, for me it was April 4th, 1987. It was around 1.10 a.m. Whatever the dash is, whatever that end date is. What if for me that end date is actually my first date in eternity. And that the last time I close my eyes here, yes, will be the last time I close my eyes here, but the next time I open my eyes, what if, just what if, 50-50, what if I wake up and the face of Jesus is there? And he's either going to say one or two things based on Matthew 25. Well done. Well, depart from me, for I've never known you. Or well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your rest. What if? What if, if you place your faith in Jesus now, life can start to become better? And what if, a vacation, money, a holiday, big house, nice car, a marriage. What if those things aren't the only things that God has to offer? What if it's living in his presence forever? Having access to everything that we've ever needed and ever wanted in heaven. What if we do resurrect when he comes back? What if? First Thessalonians, and we're going to pray and we're out of here. First Thessalonians 4. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So the souls who are now in heaven, they will come back. Your grandma, your auntie, your uncle, anyone who ever professed faith in Jesus is going to come back with him. Okay? And he's going to say this. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with the commanding shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet and the call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Paul calls this a great mystery in Corinthians. But the souls of the dead will meet wherever you, wherever the sea, the grave, 
they will meet and we our bodies will take on an immortal fashion and we're going to go to heaven to be with God so the dead will rise first and then this is what Paul tells the Corinthian church verse 17 then together with them we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and will be with the Lord forever so encourage each other with these words what what if this is true today I want to offer you salvation today I want to offer you salvation church let's pray let's bow our heads maybe you've never made Jesus your Lord But today can be the day of eternal life change for you. Today can be the day where it gets better. And where it ends right. If you've never made Jesus your Lord, God loves you. And he died on a cross for your sins. And he nailed those sins to the cross. He died a death that you don't have to die. Because God doesn't send anybody to hell. He's provided a way to himself. Maybe today's your day. On the count of three, you can receive forgiveness. You can receive the spirit of Jesus in your heart. You can be set free. Today you can be made a new creation and you can call heaven your home. So on the count of three, church, you need to be praying and interceding. On the count of three, you just raise your hand. We're just going to pray with you. One, two, don't let the devil talk you out of this. Three, raise them high, raise them high. God bless you, raise them high. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. It's your first time coming to Christ. First time. Keep him high. Keep him high. Your first time coming to Jesus. God bless you. 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 Hallelujah. Let's celebrate, church. You can keep those hands down. God bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Pray this prayer with me, church. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sins. Forgive me. Fill me. Show me your ways. Give me a new beginning. Heaven is my home. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church. Happy Easter.